Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. We're good to go. All right, quick trivia. This is easy. Who knows what verse our church is named after? Who knows it? Shout it out. You guys are good students. Oh, my goodness. Yes, people ask me all the time, what does your church name mean? It's really bizarre. And they're right, it is. It's super unusual. Um, But it is named after the Bible, Acts 2.14. And it says this. It says, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles. You have heard that thousands of times in this church. You know what our name is. But after that verse is when the church was launched, when the apostles said, hey, we're going to step forward and we're going to do whatever it takes to promote the church of Jesus. And so here at Church 214, that is our home address. Okay, that is what grounds us. That is what we come back to every single time. And we have just always in every season said that we're going to take steps forward. Right, guys? Leadership team? Give me an amen. Yes. And over and over again, we've just stepped forward. Sometimes it's been really exciting. Like right now, we're in a really exciting season. And sometimes it's been excruciatingly brutal. Some of you have been here for that as well. And it's been interesting because we have had people added to our mix because they love the fact that we're stepping forward. And we've had some people leave our midst because they were uncomfortable stepping forward. And that's been okay. Because the thing is, like, we're just going to keep stepping forward and keeping our eyes on Jesus. So our home address is is 214. And a year and a half ago, we did a series called Home Address. And we talked about passages that were found in chapters 2, verses... Yes. So soon we're moving to Oak Street, and it's going to be outstanding. And the address there is 307. So we figured, why not do a home address 2.0, and we'll talk about chapters 3, verse 7. You guys are good. Now, I've had three people preach ahead of me. They are all related to me. They were all on this stage. They did a phenomenal job. I would encourage you, if you did not hear one of those messages, church214.org podcast. They were phenomenal. I know that they encouraged my faith. They inspired me. Um, Some of the things that got said were things that I had never heard or thought about before in the spiritual realm. And that is a really big deal because I've grown up around the church. So that was pretty cool. So with our move to Oak Street being right around the corner, it is my hope today that we discovered this one thing. It's my hope that although our location is going to change, that you remember that the vision remains the exact same based on the word of God. So at 2.14, nothing is going to change when it comes to our vision and our plan to always step forward. And in your life, it's similar. See, no matter what season you find yourself up against, I want you to be able to trust the word of God and trust that he is speaking to you. And even if your home address shifts, if you will, even if the season in life hits that you don't expect to know that your life can still be based on the word of God. Amen? Amen. Now, a few years ago, I'm going to open up and tell you something that's a little bit awkward. A few years ago, I asked God to give me more revelation of his thoughts 
And I said, you know, God, I, I want to know what you're doing, like, in real time. Like, I don't want to have to read about it. I want to know what you're doing. And so I said, God, if you will reveal your thoughts to me, I will reveal them to anyone, anywhere that you ask me. And so he has put me in some super awkward situations having to do that. Some of you have been the recipient of that. Um, even last week, I got a word for somebody, and it was super brief, and I didn't have a lot of explanation. And I was like, well, here goes awkward. And it was awkward, but I obeyed. And I think that if you and I can get to the point where we know that obedience to God might be awkward, the better off we're going to be. Because sometimes God just needs a conduit. Sometimes he just needs a human voice to get his word across. And we don't always even have to know what it means. Like, I remember one time having to tell the barista, it was a Monday morning, and I had to tell the barista, hey, I just feel like God wants you to know he's going to show up for you on Wednesday. And that's all I had. And she immediately started to bawl. And I was like, in the drive-thru, I'm like, I think I'm going to go. But I prayed for her on Wednesday because I didn't know what her Wednesday held, but I knew that the maker of the universe knew what her Wednesday held, and he was telling her he was going to be in her Wednesday. Um, I was super glad on Monday morning when I woke up and God told me he wanted to rewrite my message intro. That was awesome because I had spent Saturday writing it, and as a busy mom, I was like, oh, God, I don't really have time to write a new intro. And he was like, it's fine. I'm going to write it for you. So I was super happy when I heard the words drop into my heart that said, you must be born again. And I reminded him that I was born again. And I realized it might have been for one of you or for someone listening on the podcast. And so I started to search the scriptures. And to my great delight, he had stuck to the theme. And it is found in John 3, verse, can you guess, 7. And it says, so don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again again. And so for somebody here today, my message was rewritten for you. Someone here today needs to know that it's your time to be born again. You might be sitting here and you've been in church for a while, or maybe you're online and you've been listening and you've surrounded yourself with people who know Jesus, but you've just not taken that step yet. And I feel that God woke me up on Monday morning to rewrite the start of my message, and I had a really funny opener, so I was, it was going to rival Ryan Anderson's openers. <laughs> but um, he's not here, so I can say that. Um, but God wanted me to tell you that this is all about you right now. This is about the one. This is about the one person that needs to hear that you have to be born again. Now, there's a story in the Bible that is so interesting. Um, it's about Jesus speaking to a man named Nicodemus, and he says these words to this man, Nicodemus. And for sake of context, we're going to back up in the scripture just a bit before 3 verse 7 in the book of John. And I'm going to read to you about this encounter because um, this is super significant for someone in this room today. John 2, 23 because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus did not trust them because he knew all about people. Ouch, that one, that hurts. No one needed to tell him about the human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. But there was a man named Nicodemus. He was a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. 
After dark one evening, he came to speak to Jesus. Now pause here. He came after dark because he did not want to risk anyone knowing he was seeking Jesus out. You've heard this taught on before. But see, his reputation was on the line because he was a religious leader. Okay, and so he didn't want to have people make fun of the fact that he was seeking out further truth than what they already knew to be truth. Are you with me? Okay, so he says, Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evident that God is with us, is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaims Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Hey, guys, don't ask dumb questions, okay? Even Jesus doesn't want to hear it. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind but cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? Jesus knew he didn't understand, but yet he's making that statement. Like, point out the obvious, Jesus. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. So to the one here today who God asked me to rewrite the intro for, I want you to know that no matter where you're at in life, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've strayed, Jesus wants you anyway. He wants you back or he wants you for the first time. He wants you anyway. And I want to pray for you. Jesus, I pray for the one that you woke me up about Monday morning whether he is in this pew or if he is watching online, I pray that you would give him the courage to step forward into a relationship with you. Father, that he would not doubt that he is good enough. Father, I pray that he wouldn't be concerned that he might be the first generation Christian, that he's not like me and that I have three generations behind me who loved you, but that he's setting this new foundation for the family that is to come behind him. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If that was you, I want you to just come and tell me after service, because I don't want you to do this life alone. I want you to be discipled, and I want you to be mentored. So if you're a young man, I will 
line you up with some awesome men. If you're a young woman, I will disciple you myself, and it's going to be awesome. To the rest of you, I want to ask this question. Do you ever ask God to confirm that the path you're on is correct? Yes? I do it all the time. And God is always so good to me. He always gives me a sign like, yes, this is correct, or heck no, get off that path and get right back on this straight and narrow, Heidi. And i like, yes, sir. I was reminded of this recently. I was actually teaching my kids' school, and I know many of you can relate to teaching your kids' school over the last year, right? It's been awkward for a whole bunch of us, right? E-learning, woohoo. But we're in our, our Read Aloud series, and it's this book about the adventure of God's Word. And it's not like, it's biblically based, but it's not like straight out of Scripture. And so um, the main character in this book is a little boy who goes on these biblical adventures, like transports back in time, and his name is Peter. Now, I actually text our leadership team a page from the book with it highlighted because sometimes you just have to laugh at God's humor. And I think we've got a picture that we can show you, but it felt like a little wink from God confirming that we are still supposed to be stepping forward. Now, for sake of the podcast, that line in the book says, Peter stepped forward. And it had nothing to do with the book of Acts. It was just this little boy that the author decided to name Peter. Now, I don't know if Peter is a significant name to him. Maybe his granddad inspired his faith and his name was Peter, or maybe his son's name is Peter. But for me, the fact that this random author named this little boy Peter and used the phrase, Peter stepped forward, was just like a big old grin from Jesus. And it made me laugh. And it made me realize that we are still called to be doing this journey. I mean, not that I would ever be discouraged by any of you, ever. It, that none of you have ever discouraged me, so we're good there. But seeing that name and that phrase in that book just warmed my spirit because I realized that we're still called to be stepping forward. This phrase that has been foundational to our church for seven years, we're still supposed to be doing that. So Home Address 2.0 is about change, really. It's about shifting from one season to the next. And it's about what God is doing actively right here, right now, in our midst. And I have to tell you, there was a group of us in the church building at Oak Street this week, and the ground there is so holy. Like, I, today is not a good uh, measure of it, but I am not a huge crier, typically. Uh, but I stepped in that building. I had not been there in months. And I stepped in that building and like this blanket of holiness fell over me. And I could hardly keep my emotions together. It was, it was crazy. And that morning, God had told me to write a specific verse on the stage about Joshua standing on holy ground and, and the uh, spirit of the Lord telling him to remove his sandals. And right as I wrote that, I didn't know it, but our worship director, Phil, had said to someone behind me that he said, this just feels like holy ground. And I looked up because I thought he had just read what I had written. And then the song started playing, this is holy ground. And it was just this moment of like, you cannot coordinate that stuff. Like that is only the spirit of God. But I want to acknowledge, I know change can be interesting. Some of you love it. Some of you thrive. You redecorate your houses all the time because you want change. 
and some of you hate it and you want to keep your green carpet for 25 years because you hate change. But I've got, I've got this mentor in my life. She doesn't know she's my mentor. She's never met me, but her name's Christine Kane, and she's phenomenal. You might have heard of her. She says this. She says that healthy things grow. She said that growing things change, and changing things change things. And so I believe that as we change, as we shift, we are all going to be grown, and our spiritual eyes are going to be open in a new way. And because of that, you and I are going to be part of changing things in the city of Peoria, and it's going to be outstanding. But regardless, our home address does not change based on the word of God. We are still who God calls us to be. So today's goal is super simple. We're going to just see that God's word is always speaking into your current situation, no matter where you're being moved. And so we're going to ask these three questions. And if you're taking notes or if you've got your phone, I want you to write this down because I want you to get in a rhythm of looking at these three questions to help set the path for your life. Number one, God, how are you moving? Number two, what are you speaking? And number three, where should I be stepping forward? Now, I've shared this story before, but some of you may not have heard it, and it's worth repeating because it's for right now. I was reminded of this when we were at Oak Street this week. Um, the very first time I stood at Oak Street, right the day the church had closed on the purchase of the building, it was a hot mess, the building was. It looked crazy. It smelled bad. But we walked in that place, and immediately the Holy Spirit downloaded this word into my spirit, and he said this. He said, I will begin speaking with increase and consistency to every willing heart. And I wrote it down in my phone because I knew we were going to need to be able to come back to that word. And here is why that word is for you today. Joel 2.14 starts out by saying, who knows? And I think that's one thing we can all agree on in this room today, right? Who freaking knows? Who knows anything anymore, right? I mean, who knows what news source is accurate? Who knows who is trustworthy in government? Who knows what tomorrow's going to bring? Who knows if any of us are going to survive this insanity? Who knows anything? Joel clearly was a prophet from God. Who knows? The only source that we know to be absolute truth is the very voice and the words of God. That is who knows. The absolute source of truth is the word of God, his unchanging truth. So if you find yourself like me going, who freaking knows? You remind yourself, you know what? God knows. We, we do not have to worry because God knows exactly what's going on. You know, the times in my life when God has been the most silent have been my absolute own fault because I haven't been opening this. And I've not been engaging in the conversation that he's been wanting to have with me because I've been distracted with my own figuring out of who knows. The book of Joel starts by saying, the Lord gave this message to Joel. Now, Joel was a prophet, not a terrible way to start your prophetic resume. Like, I come directed and in, um, by the Lord God. Like, he thinks I should do this job. And that's a pretty good recommendation, I would think. 
So Joel is speaking to the people of a land that is in complete emptiness, completely dried up. They're in mourning because locusts have come and brought plague to the entire land. Starvation has literally swept the whole land. All of the crops are decimated. Nothing remains. All of the grapevines have dried up. Even the animals are so desperate that they are moaning in hunger. Now, my husband is a hunter, and when my kids practice the elk calls in the basement, it makes you want to say really bad things. (laughs) The moaning of an animal is horrifying. So you know the people were going crazy if the animals were moaning. But the land was cursed. And I wonder if this sounds familiar from what we've just walked through. So many in 2020 are experiencing what feels like complete drought in the land, right? And 2021 brought not a lot of change, (laughs) right? And so, right, amen. Prophesy that, Barbara. So people are saying, like, who can survive this madness? The people were saying that. But chapter 2 of Joel, Joel the prophet begins to speak truth in a climate where there is complete agony and where the land is cursed. This could have been very, um, like, a poor timing to come in with this great idea of speaking truth. But we're going to read about it. Joel 2, starting in verse 12, continuing into 2.14. Have you noticed a theme here yet? That is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there is still time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, with weeping and mourning. Don't tear your clothes in grief. That, that was the custom. If people were mourning, they would tear their clothes so people would know, like, you're grieving. But he says, tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate. He is slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not to punish. Now, how many parents are in the house? Show me your hand. If my children have earned a punishment, I am so relieved if they show up first with an apology. And I am so eager to give them grace and mercy. Not to coddle them, but to show them the grace and the mercy that I have been extended, right? So, and it's the same way with God the Father. He is so eager to show you his grace and his mercy, no matter what you've done. Joel goes on to prophesy in 2.14. He says, who knows? Perhaps he will give you a reprieve, sending you a blessing instead of this curse. Perhaps you will be able to offer grain and wine to the Lord your God as before. What reckless words to a land that is depleted. To be like, hey, it's going to be fine. You're going to give crops and wine to God out of your nothingness. But Joel is, Joel is not speaking out of what can be seen. He is speaking to shift perspective. Now, He's trying to lift eyes from a cursed earth to the perfect heaven, to create a gaze on where we are supposed to be. Now, I was with my grandfather about one month ago, and he was the kind, soft-spoken, gentle man that he has always been to me. But how many know yesterday when I sat by him and held his hand, his eyes had shifted 
to heaven. And there was a holy presence in his midst, and I could tell that he was tasting and seeing what his life is about to become. He was not worried anymore about what this earth has hold. He didn't care to know because he is ready for heaven. Joel 2 wraps up by telling us this. In the last days, the Lord will pour his spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike, and I will cause wonders in the heavens and on the earth. How many know that we have the right as sons and as daughters to recall to God the promises that he has made? We do. See, we get to recall like, hey, God, you spoke this. When is this going to happen? My children are brilliant at recalling to me the promises I have made. Like, (laughs) hey, mom, do you remember that you said we would take a mommy date to Target to buy that toy? Yes, I remember. Mom, do you remember you said we would go to the beach when COVID was over? When is that happening? Uh, Let me get back to you. Mom, do you remember you said if I did great on this math test, I could choose a candy? Is it time for that? They are great at recalling my promises. And the thing is this. Like, God wants us to be a church that's like, hey, God, the promise is in your word. Yeah, when is that happening? Do I get to be a part of that promise, God? Pick me. Choose me. Right? Now, this is not disrespectful. It's not implying like, hey, God, it seems like you're being forgetful. No. This is our eager participation in the will of God. This is us going, hey, God, I know that you have got a great blueprint for earth. You know what? We, Church 214, we'd like to be a part of that. We'd like to remind you that you said you would pour your spirit out on all mankind. Do you know that I am all mankind? Do you know that my sister sees in dreams and visions? Give her dreams and visions and allow her to interpret it, God. Do you know that our sons and daughters are to be allowed to prophesy, God? When is that promise going to come about? And we get to step in to this active participation of seeing those promises fulfilled. I believe that our voices are going to be bringing heavenly plans onto this earth in a very expedited manner in this next season of our church. So if you don't like the pace we're on, good luck. But see, we're going to be bringing heaven into the places and the people of earth that most desperately need it. So how do I support this biblically? I'm glad you asked. Amos 3.7, it says, Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servant, the prophets. So that's why when God says to me things like, I will begin speaking with consistency to every willing heart, I believe him because he says that he would do it. Further along, Amos 4.13, it says, For the Lord is the one who shaped the mountains. He stirs up the winds and he reveals his thoughts to mankind. See, we will know the thoughts of God if we are actively in his word. We will know the will of God if we are actively saying, God, show me your will. Pick me. Send me. 
He tells us in Hebrews that we have the right and the freedom to approach his throne boldly. He wants that. He wants us to take him at his word and approach it boldly. God, when are you pouring out your spirit? When are you going to begin to reveal your thoughts to mankind? And so I think many of us want to participate in that type of a lifestyle. But then our screen time report rolls in, and we see that most of our time was spent on things that have nothing to do with the thoughts of God. And when we wonder why we're depressed and we feel like crap all the time, it's because we're binging on this and we're completely neglecting this, the thoughts of God. We have got to get to a place in our life where we are desperate for him. Habakkuk 2.14 says, For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with the awareness of the glory of the Lord. It is my strong belief that we are moving into a season from God where the heavenly realm will become unlike anything we have ever seen. In our lifetimes, the oldest person sitting in this room, <laughs> Pat, <laughs> you guys, I've got to pause this intermission for a little promotion. Pat Reuter is an incredibly gifted carpenter, near to my heart because my grandfather was an incredibly gifted carpenter. And had my grandfather been able, he would have done this for me, but Pat stepped in and did it for me instead. He built me the most beautiful mantle you have ever seen in your entire life. So you are all invited over to my house where Kip will be hosting you <laughs> in order to see my mantle. It is unbelievable. Okay, back to re this message. But I believe the awareness of the glory of the Lord is coming and, and it is not something for you to fear. Okay, some of your faces look fearful right now. It's fine. Relax. Take a deep breath. Because you know Jesus. At least I hope you do. If you didn't, you just got saved a few minutes ago. In case you missed that. Okay? So, but the awareness of the glory of the Lord is coming. And how do I know this is a true promise? Well, because I hold God to his word. And you know what? I am seeing firsthand people around me becoming aware of the glory of the presence of God. And he's using the last person on earth I thought he would use. Last Sunday, I got up here and I told you about my father-in-law, Mike Bolt. I call him MB. Mike Bolt, over the last year, his eyes have been opened to the glory of God. At the time that God spoke this word to me, Mike Bolt was an unbeliever. When I heard God say, I'm going to speak to every willing heart with consistency, I never in a million years thought he would use my father-in-law to confirm to me that the word was true. But do you know that MB is starting to hear the voice of God? We got home last Sunday. We, we watched the online service where my father-in-law stood up in front of his congregation and read the word of God. And we, my husband called him to tell him how deeply proud we were of him. And how we were rejoicing over him. And he says, you know, the story gets even better. And I love it when the story gets better. He said that a couple weeks before that, he had had to attend church alone without his wife because she was busy um, doing something for one of her daughters. And um, he said he had to fill out the attendance card. Now, we don't do that here. 
but he, you fill out an attendance card. This is, it's like old school. My, my grandpa's church did it. And then he flipped it over, and he noticed there was all these check boxes. And it was like, I need healing, or I need prayer, or I, you know, I don't know, like to preach a message. I don't know what the check boxes said. But one of them said, I'd like to get involved. And he was like, huh. And he said, I heard a voice say to me, it's time to get involved. And he said, I was so scared that I just flipped the card back over. <laughs> and I'm telling you what, I can see MB fidgeting in his chair the entire message. I know the pastor was like, yo, bro, sit still. <laughs> but he said, Kipper, I'm not telling you a lie. He said, I kept flipping that card over, and then something would make me flip it back. And look at that box. Get involved. He said, so finally, towards the end of the service, I checked the box, and I flipped it back over, and as soon as service was done, I raced to the back, and I dropped it in the locked offering box where you put your attendance card, because I didn't want to be able to get it back. And moments later, he got into a conversation with one of the worship leaders, and the worship leader is talking to him, and he says, hey, Mike, you ever thought about getting involved here? <laughs> and Mike said, Kipper, the card was still in the locked box. How did this man know? But what God was doing is he was taking this new believer and showing him, hey, MB, do you get it? Like, I speak to you, and I'll confirm that I spoke to you. That's how God works. That's, I don't stand up here and tell you stories about God speaking to me so that I look like this great prophet of God. I do this so that you, people like you, Carson, know, you know what? I think God spoke to me. You know, it seems odd, but this and this are lining up based on what I heard. You know what? I think that was the voice of God. And the more it happens to you and the more you talk about it, the more you realize that was a God idea. That was a God thing. I'm not as crazy as they think I am. Mike Bolt, yeah, true, maybe. Mike Bolt is just confirmation to me that God is speaking and he is dropping the awareness of his glory onto all mankind. It has been a beautiful thing. My salvation, my, my faith, I should say, has been increased because of Mike's salvation. It has been phenomenal. I never dreamed it would be my father-in-law that he would use to go, I'm cluing you in on what's happening. Friends, I want you to be asking, hey, God, clue me in. Pick me. Use me. Speak to me. It does not have to be one of the leaders on the front row or in the fifth row or the band leaders. It doesn't have to be just us. It gets to be you too. If it can be Mike Bolt, who's known Jesus less than 12 months, it can be you too. God is stirring up his voice because he wants to speak to you. You know, I thought it was interesting that Mike said he was literally shaking as he filled out the card. It seems like such a small act, but how many know obeying God is terrifying, right? Sometimes awkward, sometimes terrifying, sometimes delightful. But I would so much rather be shaking in fear in the middle of God's will than completely self-sufficient and outside of it. Because that is no place to be. Kip and I have been in this ongoing conversation about what our role is as parents in setting our kids up in this 
culture to have conviction based on God's word, what it looks like to teach our kids how to hear God's voice. Because what happens when their mom and dad who love Jesus maybe aren't there to help them navigate this culture? So we've been in this conversation, and um, I desperately want the kids of this church, I want them to be known for their kindness, but more than anything, I want them to be known as people that hear from God. Because God's promise tells us he will cause our sons and daughters to prophesy. And so I want our kids to be a part of that. Like, I don't want it to be kids in another church. But I want it to be them too. But I want our kids to be actively involved in that. And I believe we're seeing that happen. So culture is departing from absolute truth. Can we agree on that? Recently, I heard this godly man say who, I, it, this just resonated with me. He said that, Culture is, is moving away from absolute truth. He said, but think of it this way. He said, two plus two is four. It's not three, and it's not five. He said, and it's not closed-minded to believe that four is the only answer. And I think some of us as believers have been believing the lie that us thinking that Jesus is the only answer is closed-minded, or that it makes us unloving. And the reality is this. It is not closed-minded. It is bringing us back to the very narrow truth of God's word. Because God's word is narrow. And if you read it incorrectly, it can seem super strict. But if you read it with eyes asking the Lord to reveal his heart to you, it is filled with so much love and compassion. Regardless of what culture says to us, the truth is narrow. There is one answer. Students, I want you to hear this. There is one answer, and his name is Jesus. Nothing else can compare to him. Nothing else will fulfill you. Jesus is the plan for your life. And then parents, no one is going to do it for you. The church will absolutely partner with you, but no one can do it for you. No one can set your kids up for the success in life with Jesus like you can. And I would recommend that it's not so much about what you say to them. It's more about your time in prayer over their lives and then being present to listen to their hearts. Because as you do that, the Lord will reveal so much wisdom to you. You are your child's expert. So trust me when I say God will give you everything you need to lead your child. Every year, Kip and I... Um, kick off the year with, with fasting. And many of the people in this church do that too. And it's not a religious thing. It's, um, it's, a, it's a discipline thing. Jesus said, when you fast. So we know that if he says when, that means that he expects that we will. And so each year we choose something to fast and it looks different for all of us. Um, but I do it just to recalibrate my ears so that I know that I'm hearing correctly. Because sometimes the world can shout really loud and I wanna make sure I'm hearing correctly. And so this year, we made this really great point. We're like, hey, we really want to pull our kids in on this and make sure they know they're included in this. So Monday morning, um, the, the kids and I were having this conversation about what is fasting and what does it look like and how do we participate. And I gave what was a really compelling um, call to action, I thought. And so I said to Crosley, our nine-year-old, I said, son, do you want to participate in fasting? And if so, what do you want to do and for how long? And he said, yeah, I do. I'm going to fast soda and candy for seven days. I was like, son, that's amazing. That's huge. That's, I, probably many nine-year-olds have never fasted. That's awesome. 
And Collins, who's four, pipes up and she says, yeah, I'm going to fast too. I'm going to fast candy for, no, she says, not candy. That'll be really difficult. I'm going to fast soda for three days. Now, I felt like it was a bit of a cop-out because my kids don't really get a ton of soda anyway. <laughs> so, but we do have a beverage dispense, um, refrigerator and it did have Sprites and I think like ginger ale or something in it. So she knew it was there. So I say to Wilder, our six-year-old, I said, Bubs, having heard all of this encouragement from your siblings, would you like to fast? And if so, what would you like to fast and for how long? And without missing a beat, he says, nah, I already love Jesus enough. <laughs> it is so classic, Bubs. He has this heart of gold, but he completely missed the point of the exercise. <laughs> but how many know that I, as his parent, am totally fine with the fact that he missed the point of the exercise. Why? Because I know his heart. That is the same with God the Father. You might be completely missing the point of the exercise, and it is fully okay because God is looking at your heart. You know, you might not have gotten the fasting thing down yet. It's totally fine. God sees your heart. He is just this, he's this faithful father who desperately wants you to come to him and get close to him and say, God, reveal your thoughts to me. I think some of you as a family might need to choose a passage or a verse that can be your family's home address, something that can always point you back to scripture, just like our team always is pointing back, hey, does this line up with our goal and our mission? Does this line up with the word of God? So that you can always be asking questions that point you back to, are we on track? Things like, God, how are you moving? What are you speaking? And where should I be stepping forward? One thing that you can do that is so helpful and will help keep you on the straight and narrow track is staying in church attendance. I saw a scientific study that in 2020, the one group of people did not, did, that did not suffer extremely negative, depressive-type feelings were the people that stayed in constant church attendance. And it seems like a check-it-off-the-list kind of thing, but it's not. It is a spiritual discipline. We're going to close by reading from Revelation 2.14. And this is the um, angel of the Lord speaking to the churches. And he says this, I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. Chris Taves recently preached a message on meat offered to idols. I had never heard a message like that. But if you want to hear why this is so significant and why Revelation 2.14 mentions it, go back and listen to Chris's message. Cannot remember what it was, but we can find out if you want to hear it. Um, but this is bringing us right back to where we started, which was the call to repentance. That's what this angel is doing. They are calling the church 
to repentance. And I want us 214 to hear, like, it is time to repent. It is time to step away from anything that's hindering your ability to hear from God. It's time to get on your knees before the Father and not worry about what anyone thinks and to go, you know what, God, I need this and this out of my life. And I want you to fill those spots with your presence and with your thoughts. And I want you to reveal your glory on my life into my mind. I think that sin can so easily hinder the fruit of what your life is supposed to hold. I think of my grandfather, and I think of all the sacrifices he made to lead the church, and I think of all of the fruit that lined up here, and there are a ton more of us outside of this church building, but I think of the fruit that has come from his life. You might be sitting here, and you might be the first generation Christian, but when you are an elderly man on your deathbed, you may have a lineup of children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren who are your spiritual heritage because it's got to start somewhere. Finally, Revelation 3, 7 through 13. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write this. This is what those of us who are willing to repent have to look forward to. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. I will make those of you who are of the, those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, and never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God in the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I want you to all close your eyes. And I want you to say, God, speak to me with increase and consistency. I am a willing heart. Father God, we humbly acknowledge, Lord Jesus, that we know so little of who you are, but we want to know more. We want you to pick us. We want you to send us. We want you to reveal your glory to us. God, our hearts are willing and our ears are being opened. We want to hear your voice. Father, thank you for always showing us how to step forward. Father, thank you for confirming your signs and your wonders. Thank you that you allow us to change and to grow, and you allow us to be things that change things as we grow. Thank you that you walk us so tenderly through repentance, you grant us mercy, and you lead us to the hope of your promises. Father, will you seal your promises on our hearts and on our spirits as a church body? 
In Jesus' name I pray.